Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 154. Now today I speak to Dan Orkin and Michael Lux, the directors of Reverb's The Pedal Movie. Man, an epic two and a half hour journey into the history of guitar pedals. What's not to like? Now, full disclosure, Reverb are sponsoring the show for the next few months to promote the film. But come on, if you listen to the Guitar Speak podcast, you know how much I love pedals. And there's a good chance you love them too. So I was super happy to talk to these guys and get the backstory of the pedal movie. This episode is brought to you by The Pedal Movie, a feature-length film all about effects pedals created by the Music Gear Marketplace Reverb. I am super excited about this film. The Pedal Movie features nearly 100 interviews with people like Steve Vai, Peter Frampton, Jay Maskus, Billy Corgan, and more, including some of our Guitar Speak podcast alumni like Dweezil Zappa, Sarah Lipstate, Johnny Barmer, and Brian Wampler. Reverb's The Pedal Movie is available now on iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu. For more information, visit www.thepedalmovie.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Dan Orkin and Michael Lux, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Hey, congratulations on the release of the pedal movie. It must be a good feeling to have this film out in the wild after such a huge job in the undertaking of the production. Absolutely. It's it's like, um, you know, we both have experience in bands or with other things where you kind of release something you've worked on with a lot of passion and it's always a little scary and a little exciting but you just got to do it eventually and um it's been great to talk to people and and hear reactions and it's it's one of those things where everybody who sees it it's like a great occasion to kind of geek out about what pedal they like or what guitars they love so there's just a lot of love going around because it's a topic that so many people are so uh excited about yeah it's also sort of like the a lot of folks that it was like the Chinese democracy of uh, films where it was never going to come out. <laughs> so it, it feels, it does feel really good to let people know, no, we were just, we were just like finessing it, making sure it was going to be really good for people. So it's out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice Gunners reference there. We know what, exactly what you mean <laughs> when you say that. Um, when, when did it start? When was the, the initial seed for this, this uh, planted? So we started talking about the topic, I want to say about two and a half years ago, 
or so, maybe a little bit longer. And it, it took a while where we were kind of, initially we were just kind of talking about doing some sort of content piece or video project about um, the boutique pedal industry specifically. So like the modern era. Um, and that was, I want to say 2019. And 2018. Tw- 28, man. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 20- I know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So like two, two to three years ago. And we sort of started by doing some interviews with folks who we knew, various pedal builders who would be, you know, at NAM, for example, or who were coming through Chicago where we're based um, to kind of talk about this idea of how did the pedal industry grow so much over the course of a few decades. It went from a handful of builders making pedals in the 80s and early 90s to this explosion to today where there's thousands of people doing it. So that was really the original question. Um, and so we started collecting interviews for that. And then at a certain point, we realized that we had enough really excellent material to maybe make something longer form, like an actual documentary. And in doing that, we kind of led to the realization that it would really be in our interest to kind of rewind and tell the story from the beginning of the pedal uh, history, going back to like the 1950s. Um, and so we kind of pivoted a part of the way through and that added a bit to the process. But that, that was sort of how, how it started, was kind of asking those questions and having those initial conversations. Fantastic. Yeah, I loved how you, you took a historical approach and... Um yeah, it just it just it made sense to to ramp it up in that direction. I was um I wasn't surprised, but it was pretty cool how much history today's pedal builders know that they know all about that they can they can rattle off the the uh, the correct order of fuzz pedals as they were launched, and uh, they can talk the, the transistors and the and the circuits uh, really fluently. Yeah, and some some. Uh were just inc- absolutely incredible. I mean, a lot of the builders, like, admittedly know about, like, a, uh, certain chunks of time, and they would admit that. Okay, yeah. But there's certain folks, I mean, Josh, Felipe Herndon, people like that, that that are kind of encyclopedic. George Tripp's encyclopedic with his knowledge about, like, the history of effects. So um, that was definitely uh, considerations when we were kind of choosing the guests, I suppose, was... Mm-hmm. Um, these little pockets of, of information and perspective that various people brought to the table that would be representative of certain themes we were kind of going for. Awesome. Very cool. How did you choose guests? As you said, there's thousands of pedal builders around the world these days. Yeah, yeah very carefully. <laughs> it started, like I said, with sort of, you know, hitting our network. So people we'd work with in different ways or people we knew. So, um, you know Jamie and Julie from Earthquaker Devices. We've 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 had a good relate. We're friends with them for over the years. Um, obviously high on the list. People like that. And then as we kind of built out the body of interviews, we we decided to sort of more strategically fill in certain holes. And again, sort of what Michael was saying, like finding folks who filled in particular um, perspectives or niches that weren't necessarily covered. So for example, we really wanted to make sure we talked about the current uh, latest and greatest in DSP and digital modeling and digital pedals. So for that, certainly we wanted to talk to Source Audio and Strymon, so we sought them out specifically. Um, you know, Fram, Fram Blanche, who was really influential in the 90s, is a good example of that. Somebody who we didn't know before making the movie but reached out to because um, we thought she had an important 
part in the sort of history of that era and a lot of examples like that and certainly there are lots and lots of people we didn't get to talk to we really would have liked to but for you know variety of different reasons uh didn't happen certainly can't get everybody yeah like and like dan was saying i actually remember some point in 2019 maybe right after nam or right before nam that year we had actually built out a massive list of of like archetypes almost like these sort of themes we wanted to hit so like dan was saying you know we knew that okay there's no way we can fit a thousand people into this film but you know who can we you know who who can we get that's knowledgeable and has a perspective on these various eras and these various themes that we're trying to hit whether it's that early boutique era with george trips fran zach vex the pedal boom people with um you know uh josh scott Earthquaker, Wampler, Modders, Keeley, Analog Man, DIY people like uh, Death by Audio, Old Blood, you know, some international um, perspectives, and just one person small brands like Daredevil and Dogman Effect. So it was like it just kept going from there. And then, then how do we get the 70s guys? How do we get Musitronics in there? How do we talk to somebody from MXR? How do we get Glenn Snoddy in this film, right? Uh-huh. And so as it kept going through the through the months and months and months, we just kept kind of trying to figure out what we weren't able to rep, you know, what we wanted to represent sure, and yep. who we, how and who we needed to get yeah. to make that happen. How does it work over multiple continents and, you know, a pandemic kicking in sort of midway through the uh, process for you guys? Yeah, I would say that was a challenge to put it, put it mildly. Um, I would say honestly, the the kind of Americanness of a lot of the uh, movie in terms of people who are speaking is maybe the thing that I wish we could have been a little bit more expansive with. I mean, you know, there's no Japanese primary interviews with with Japanese builders, for example, which I think is I think both Michael and I would would admit that's definitely an omission or definitely a a, a shortcoming. Um, you know, we had early designs to try to get to Japan. I mean, we obviously that would have been amazing, but um, didn't really work out and then when COVID hit it was sort of our last leg of filming that was obviously totally off the table we did try to be kind of scrappy by doing some remote interviews so that would be people who have cameras um, who we can get on a video call with and have them set up the camera over here so for example we had a couple lines with uh, Ben from Redwich who's in New Zealand and that was how that was done and that was a very short I mean he's only in the movie for a few minutes I mean shout out if you know we really appreciate him doing that that was Mm -hmm. really wonderful Um, we're glad we got his voice but um, you know that that was sort of a a last kind of inning thing and there's a few other examples of that remote um, thing with that Um, yeah yeah it is it's interesting because when we when we were first building momentum it was a lot more about you know because we're we're always uh, traveling for for reverb shoots anyway or pre-pandemic we were and so it, it a lot of it through those 2019 uh and even the sort of early 2020 uh month was was you know okay who who is in the city that we're going to that we're already filming in or who's coming through sh- chicago right where, where uh, our offices are and so a lot of it at first was was based on that as we started to build momentum um and build some trust behind the project it was a little bit easier to start to um you know schedule these okay we're going to go to new york and spend a day with mike matthews we start to build up to where okay we're going to go to europe 
we're going to go to Japan, and then the pandemic right. hits, and then it, and then it's March and April, and then all of that, all those opportunities are sort of off the table. So, um, the you know, yeah, it, it it made it definitely difficult. But it you know at that point it was uh, like Dan said a lot more about okay who has the resources and who has somebody that they trust. And, you know, we're still talking about May and June yeah. and July here where things were really sticky. So, um, you know, who has the ability to kind of do these interviews? And then we're doing we're essentially interviewing uh, similarly to how we are right now, except they have a camera in the room. Sure, sure. I was super impressed with that. I was looking out for stuff like that, but I couldn't pick it. It was so I think the production was so beautifully done. Um, I'll have to rewatch and try and catch the Red Witch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh spot there because it um it looks super consistent and i thought man how are these guys doing this because it's a it's a tricky time to get anything done <laughs> there's where there's ways yeah. you just gotta be uh, i'm keeping those secret as yeah a... trade secrets <laughs> <laughs> well done well done the pedal market i'm i'm just happy i'm alive in an era where people can make a full feature-length film about guitar pedals probably one of my most favorite things ever and i'm sure i'm sure the entire guitar and pedal community feels feels the same with with all you've looked at with all you've researched has the pedal market reached full saturation or is there still room for new ground to be broken it's a great question and my my temptation is to just be you know is to ask you because i think you're you know everybody who who's interested in this stuff has a valuable and and thought you know opinion about this it's something we've all we've all thought about I would say the way I would answer this would be we asked a lot of the pedal builders, contemporary pedal builders we talked to, questions like who are the people in the industry who really inspire you and, and who are the people you look to as being kind of the innovative pushing the envelope. And a lot of the answers we got were pedal companies that are making pedals that are less about doing a specific function and more about creating a particular world or offering a particular type of experience, if, if that makes any sense. So, for example... Um, Chase Bliss and Maris are, are two very go-to forward-thinking pedal companies. Uh, and their pedals, they aren't, I mean, they are ultimately, you know, delay pedals or whatever, but they're really much more about, this doesn't sound like a delay, it sounds like the Chase Bliss um, mood or, you know, whatever whatever pedal it is. So I think where this is going is the more people who are invested in pedals as the kind of primary component of the hobby i think this is something that comes up in the film but is that more and more you're seeing people who are pedal aficionados or pedal fans or pedal players who happen to play guitar or happen to play synth and the pedal is sort of the main course of the meal um so i think the more the people are kind of approaching the the hobby that way and the more there's going to be room for pedals that kind of stand out and do things that are that are kind of unprecedented and i i really see where that that kind of is is the growth in the next ending. And t- in terms of it being saturated, I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess I would say people thought the vintage guitar bubble was going to burst in the '80s, and it didn't yeah. actually. Pe- it's still, it's still growing. You know, like there's always it's people are always predicting the end of these sorts of things, and and it's rare that they actually happen at any sort of reasonable scale relative to those predictions. Sure. Yeah, sure. and my perspective on that is kind of putting it akin to. Um, like music trends, like rock and roll, like how many decades have, have we been through, whether we've been alive or not, where people have said, like, is rock and roll dead, right? And I think it kind of comes down to new new generations 
uh, not just of builders, but also of fans, people, you know, that are kids now that will end up being effects pedal players. And regardless of the history or regardless of who's still around or who's, who's not, I think that 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 personality aspect of a pedal company and, and how they're sort of projecting their their brand and their sounds to the consumer will will kind of continue to to evolve um whether it's doing throwback stuff or whether it's do you know breaking all new ground um or you know specifically marketing effects for non-guitar instruments and, and things like that so you know, we we might just eternally be at market saturation. It could it could go on for a hundred more yeah, years, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I I speak to pedal builders on this show fairly regularly, and I, I often ask that question. And um, I mean, in my heart and in theirs, you know, the answer is obviously no. Nah, there's still room to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, <You know>, right. <laughs> there's still room for fun. Right. I hope you are enjoying today's interview. Now, this podcast is brought to you by The Pedal Movie, a feature-length film all about effects pedals created by the music gear marketplace Reverb. Now, you know we love guitar pedals here on the Guitar Speak podcast, and we're super excited on the release of this film. The Pedal Movie explores how effects pedals and their builders have shaped modern music and guitar playing over time, from the fuzz pedal experiments of the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix through the shoegaze and indie rock of the 90s and up to the modern day use of effects. Reverb also speaks with builders and leaders from more than 50 pedal brands to answer the big question, how did guitar pedals get so big? Reverb's The Pedal Movie is available now on iTunes, Google Play and Vudu. For more info, check out thepedalmovie.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Fretboard Biology. <clears throat> Today's episode is also brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by master guitar teacher Joe Elliott. Now, I was a beta tester for the course, and as a music educator myself, I was very impressed by the logical layout and format of the course. Heavyweight guitarists such as Brett Garsett and Greg Koch have also endorsed the program, so check it out at www.fretboardbiology.com. Okay, back to our interview. Dan, you mentioned um, players who play the pedals, and there's a great line from Sarah Lipstate from Novella, um, who I've spoken to, I think she's fantastic. I was, when I saw her open the um, open the film, I thought, what a perfect artist to have um, kicking off things. And it was great to hear her compositions throughout throughout the film. Um, you really tapped into a new generation of players like Sarah, um, uh, Nels Klein. I mean, he's been around for a long time, but that the, the pedal player as well as the the guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a funny, you know really great that you mentioned Sarah and her opening the film because um, well into production we didn't know how we were going to open the film it was one of the big sort of contention not a contention point but just a question mark and we happened to be in Brooklyn um, for some other reasons actually was that when we were filming with Death by Audio? I think it might have been but we ended up going to um, sort of like a, an art, a venue where Donnie McCaslin was playing. He's an experimental sax player who played on Black Star and Sarah Lipstate was opening. We knew Sarah uh, for years before this, but we hadn't actually seen her in uh, play in person. And she came on stage solo 
opened this set for a bunch of, you know, a, a few hundred really intense sort of free jazz nerds and just ex- just blew everybody away, blew us yeah, away. Awesome. And so right then and there was sort of like the inspiration to be like, oh, we need to begin the movie with with now, like with how somebody is can use effects pedals as an instrument. And so, you know, that kind of opening, you know, opening that door then led to like this, this really kind of is a, a future, a present, but also like a very future thing leading to then, you know, somebody who's been doing that for a long time, like Nels Klein mm-hmm. and people like Nick Reinhardt, obviously, and, and uh, even Alessandra Cortini, who's in the film for, for a bit, you know, from Nine Inch Nails, using it with tape loops and all that kind of stuff. And Lara Samoji, who uses it with harp. So I think that's one of the most fascinating aspects um, of effects pedals to me is how people are using them as instruments themselves. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it comes into a almost more of a sound design thing where I think Sarah says the guitar's the sound source, um, which, which harkens back to lots of art music and electronic art music practice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Did you guys have any fanboy moments meeting artists or builders that you've been into? Lots. Um, <laughs> I, I would say the one that stands out the most is Michael knows exactly what I'm going to say here. Um, is we did a we did a shoot with uh, Steve Vai, yeah, and that was super fun. Well, there's also this is a good example of how we went about this. We shot a video with Steve Vai about his guitar collection, which is on the Reverb YouTube channel. And then while doing that shoot, we also interviewed him for the movie. So that that was a lot of okay. this approach was sort of double counting to be as sort of efficient and um, uh, as possible. So with Steve Vai. Um, went to his studio and he was just he was just one of the like the nicest most welcoming enthusiastic rock stars we've ever worked with and he um, was just so excited to kind of show off his stuff and like and like play stuff and um, there was no request that was too too big like he was excited to kind of talk about everything and um, you know to hear him talk about what he learned from Frank Zappa and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like his relationship with Frank is like, yeah. I mean, it's the stuff of guitar geek, you know, dreams. It was, it was pretty sensational. So that, that one stands out for me. It was also my birthday yeah. just for, coincidentally. So oh. it was kind of a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> experience. Awesome. Yeah. For, for me, one of the big ones artist wise, um, I grew up as a really big fan of nineties British rock or Britpop, I guess you could yeah. call yeah. it. So uh, Graham, Graham Coxon from Blur for me was a, was a really big one. We had done an interview uh, maybe a year prior with him, but he had, he had moved to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to go to his, his little studio behind his house there. And in between takes, he was like, do you want to just take a break and listen to the entire soundtrack for End of the F in World season two that I'm working on? I was like, yeah so we just we all sat <laughs> there and awesome. kept, he was he's just such a down-to-earth you know uh incredible fellow and there's not too many people of that era of british or sort of like large bands from that era mm-hmm. that i could probably consider being that humble he's like yeah. an extremely humble he's, person graham is also really 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 funny he has this kind yeah. of like wry monty python uh-huh. you know yeah. john lennon sarcasm kind of thing mm-hmm. um so you know I think if we watched back on his interview, there's probably a lot of like withheld laughter and you know snickering kind of going on on the audio track. 
That's cool. Is there a, is there a bloopers reel? I, I imagine you've got more footage than you could squeeze in. Is there? What do you got in the vault? Yeah. Oh, there's so much. I mean, with 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 a hundred hours of filmed footage, there's there's all kinds of gems in there. We um, we have been releasing, uh, you know, some small sort of like from the cutting room floor videos on the Reverb YouTube channel. We did one with Nels and uh, quite a few actually. At this point, we're gonna keep doing them. Um, as far as like actual funny bloopers, I'm probably not uh, ready at this point. Nor am I going to make our lead editor go back through the hundred hours of footage <laughs> just yet to find bloopers in every interview. But I think it's definitely something that we'll we'll try to do soon. Um, we did put together a little blooper reel for Josh Scott's channel. Uh, we were on the JHS show yesterday, yeah. and just even going through his interview and find, finding six minutes of fun stuff was actually a lot of fun. So I think there's def, de, I think you can definitely look out for some some more like whimsical stuff from those shoots pretty soon on the Reverb YouTube channel. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I imagine your editor's having a well-deserved break at the moment. Yeah. yeah well, no, he's right back into. It. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, he's uh, yeah. Shout out to John Gagan who who was the lead editor. We had. Um, an, Another great assistant editor, Jim O'Connell, uh, took it did take you know about twelve months of of uh, post production. It was a massive undertaking, so um, definitely t- yeah took some time off after that. But uh, John's right back in, right back in it, cutting more stuff for the channel. Uh-huh. So yeah, epic, epic. I, Brian Wampler's been on this podcast, and I was excited to see him on on. In the film, he told me that pedal builders are more of a community than a, a group of competitors. Did did you pick up any of that vibe in talking to all these people? Totally, and it's something we talk. We have, you know, he actually is the person we have on screen talking about this at the very end of the film a little mm. bit. But yeah. it's a good example of a topic that I think we could have gone into much more depth about. But we thought that just having a little bit of acknowledgement of it kind of told. I mean, th- that was a big part of what the editing process was like was finding that balance between potentially going really deep on all these sort of different sort of uh, topics and themes versus what's an, what's enough of amount of time to kind of get the point across without, you know, going too, uh, too into the weeds. But uh, to actually answer your question, a hundred percent. And a lot of it was, we were talking to different pedal builders. They would, a lot of them would say, Oh, have you talked to this person? They have a really good perspective. You should make sure you interview this mm-hmm. person. Or I was just talking to so-and-so about this Oh, and when so and so did an interview with you, he told me you were going to ask me that, or you know, it's there was a there was a whole lot of that, and you know, they have secret group texts and and email chains and and whatever Facebook, you know, whatever it is, where yeah. they talk about where they're going to get parts, and you know, I, oh man, you know, I have an order coming up for this, and I, I'm I'm short on this particular IC, can you help me out? Oh yeah, no problem, I'll give you this this stockpile I have, you know, mm-hmm. what I paid for it. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of that kind of thing, and I I think. You know, I think my observation would be that, and I think the movie reflects this, even if it's not explicitly stated, is that there's a definite sense amongst these folks that a high tide raises all ship, all ships. This is a niche enough hobby that sort of relies on people being very passionate about it, that the more people who are into pedals, the better it's going to be for all their business. And nobody is going to have a pedal board that's all one company. That said, there are definitely people who have pedal boards that are all one company. But I think the idea is that um, Ryan from, from, uh, our our good friend Ryan from Fuzz Rocious put it pretty well where he said it's like, uh, maybe we're all 
punk bands and we're all trying to get the same people to buy our CDs and t-shirts and whatever. But if we put on a show, we got to have four other punk bands on the bill because that's how we're going to get the most people to come out. That's and it's, cool. it's sort of that same, I thought that was a good analogy for it where it's sort of, again, it's like the more people who are into this, the better it's going to be for everybody. So we should try to work together at least a bit. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What about, what about yourselves? What, what's the background? One, I guess one thing I really dig about reverb that I'm discovering um, is that so many, so many people who work there are musicians and um, have some background. What's, what's the, what are your stories and um, maybe pedal related? What, what's, do you remember your first pedals and, and what, what are the must-haves on your own, in your own rig? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll, well, you, go, you go first, Michael. Okay. Well, just pedal related background stuff. So, well, I'm going to say this. I have a couple. I have a couple fun things to say on the matter. My, I think my favorite name of an effects pedal, and I need to shout it, shout it out, because you're from Australia, is actually the Bondi Art Vandalay. Yeah. It's the best name of a. It's the best. It's the best name of a pedal ever. Absolutely. It's a great pedal. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first pedal was a Dod Grunge, as as were so many kids in the '90s. Uh-huh. Um, thank. Thanks, Kurt Cobain, who never used one. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and but I, I mean, I really like I, I I'm a big fan of like clean yet ethereal sounds. So uh, like really good compressors and mm-hmm. saturators, which I think are generally overlooked with a lot of like pedal heads. Like the uh, Origin Cali 76 is incredible. The Wampler uh, Ego Comp, or honestly just like a Boss CS2. Like they're really colorized compressors like i don't want that transparent compressor give me something that you know makes it makes it sound a little studio and then like saturators like the strymon deco i absolutely love the deco like it's Mm -hmm. one of those pedals where you're like what does this do and then you never want to turn it off again um that combined with some like rush or like a lush uh ethereal kind of reverb or delay like a earthquake or levitation or the matthews astronomers incredible or the Art Vandalay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you on my uh, on my deep cut Australian pedal pick because I, one of my favorite pedals that I own is actually an Aussie pedal also, which is from a company called Supuku Effects that I do not believe exists anymore. But when I was first really getting into pedals, I think a lot of people who are players who get into pedals. Much the way as anybody who gets into like a genre of music, you have like a Sherpa, you have like your friend who knows a lot more about it, who can be like, oh, you want to check out this or this. And when I was in uh, college, I was in a, a like a really loud band with a buddy of mine, Mike, who was sort of like, I mean, I, I knew a bit about pedals before that. I had, I had a couple boss pedals and a wah-wah pedal, but he was, he was really into like the, you know, at that point, what was sort of like the burgeoning scene of boutique pedals. Like he had all the Debbie Ever and Catalan Bread stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had this Seppuku Mind Warp, which is like an LFO-based chorus. It's like a really like Robert Smith, uh, Bauhaus, warbly kind of thing. Um, and as soon as I saw a used one, I, I grabbed it because um, I like I had been using his in the band. Um, and it's really they 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 I have it on my reverb feed. They come up really 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 infrequently because they stopped making them. But um, that's a really good one, um, as far as I'm concerned. And then. I think one of the things from this movie is that a lot of the pedals I've gotten over the past couple of years, it's been like a reflection of like, oh, I really like this person. Like, I really like this brand. I like want to get one of their pedals. 
again, much the same way that if you're, you have a friend who's in a band, you like want to go to their shows, you know, or you have a friend who's a great cook, you want to go to their restaurant or whatever it is. And you know, that, that kind of personality I think is a big part of the pedal industry, but we're definitely susceptible to it. So, you know, I see, uh, you know, a release from, you know, who I, I can't even any number of pedal builders, Death by Audio, and like I immediately want to get it because Ollie and Heather and the team at Death by Audio are such are, are I've become good friends. So you know, it's it's that's that is guided by pedal purchasing more and more. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's nice to look at your pedal board and and uh, you know it's it's there's a connection to some really cool relationships. That's awesome. Totally. One really cool thing about the film is that you you feature. Um, female builders and musicians. We mentioned Sarah already um, and other minorities in the game. Um, guitar pedals, I guess like a lot of guitar stuff, can be, uh, quote, with air quotes for the podcast listeners, you know, a white guy's game. Um, yeah. Or there's a, there's a very heavy representation. Cool, to, cool that you, you, you would go out of your way to feature um, all sorts of folks making cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not, you know... The music industries and pedal industries and you know music instruments industries haven't been like particularly diverse but i think like you know a lot of people might say like oh why did you feel the need to put that in the entire film is really about the culture it's about the the mm -hmm. movement of culture of effects whether that's like circuit culture like people sharing uh, technology and information or people culture or artist culture you know pedals influencing music etc so with w where we are today with um with like the the gates really being opened on on all levels like you know music marketing uh, effects you know, building, getting in the wires, whatever it is, with those doors really being opened, I think it's it was really important for us, especially having those relationships with a lot of those uh, builders and artists, uh -huh. um, to share their perspective or have them share their perspectives because those those are their perspectives, right? And those are things that organically did come up in the interviews. It wasn't necessarily something that that um, we had set out to to put in, mm -hmm. but the themes kept kept coming up. And kept coming up and it was uh really apparent that it was a really important thing to talk talk about uh because even if today we've taken all these steps forward you know it's important to see that not so long ago um a lot of these folks really didn't feel that way and there's always more that you can do so awesome awesome really really cool really cool now Probably, possibly the last question is maybe a cruel one because we're just a week out of the release date. We're enjoying the glow of the film being out. It's super, super happy fun times. Um, is there any, any plans for Reverb to do more of this? I sure hope so. Um, I, will, I will say that everyone, uh, the entire team at Reverb um, has been like incredibly supportive of, of, of this entire project and process it's kind of very rare for you know a company to do something like this mm -hmm. and the entire team all the way to the top dave mandelbrot our amazing ceo has been just fantastically supportive and completely hands-off when it comes to the creative aspects of everything and so i don't think that'd be out of the question that if we found the right uh, next topic whether it's in guitar world or in synth world or or whatever uh -huh. it may be that uh, we would 
entertained doing another feature. I mean, that's where my, my heart is. But regardless of that, we'll always be putting out great content on our YouTube channel. So check yeah, that sure. out too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's worth shouting out that there's already a bunch of uh, spinoff features from the movie footage on the Riverview YouTube channel. So if you watch the movie and you want some like um, bonus features, like DVD menu stuff, uh, it's on the Riverview YouTube channel pretty easy to find um there's some great we have a full-length interview with nels klein on there there's a full-length interview with mike beagle of musitronics that's really near and dear to our hearts um a handful of other ones and, so, and there'll be more there'll be more to come yeah awesome awesome well guys congratulations and thank you on behalf of pedal nerds everywhere for uh yeah for putting this together for for producing this amazing film and uh thanks for being on the guitar speak podcast to talk about it Oh, thank you so much for having us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks to you, and thanks to everyone who's watched the film. And if you haven't, you can find the pedal movie on iTunes, Vudu, and Google Play. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Now, this podcast was brought to you by The Pedal Movie, the feature-length film all about effects pedals created by Reverb. Reverb's The Pedal Movie is available now on iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu. For more information, visit thepedalmovie.com. The show was also brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by ex-head of guitar at GIT, Joe Elliott. Check out fretboardbiology.com for more information. Alrighty then, you have been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling, and as the legendary German rocker Michael Schenker once told me, Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.